This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on inside, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. Warm yourself by the fire, it's July for crying out loud. Anyway, there are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Uh, Jason Quitt and Bob Mitchell, co-authors of Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler, are standing by, and uh, we'll get to that conversation in just moments. Let me remind you, first of all, uh, Season 4 of The Conspiracy Show is uh, now airing across this beautiful land of Canada, uh, on Vision TV, and that's Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Write that down. Vision TV, Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're just a few weeks into the new season, and uh, still uh, some great episodes upcoming. Uh, in addition, I encourage you to get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal, uh, not only to this radio show, but to the uh, the television program and some other projects that I've got brewing. Uh, and while you're there on the um, on the landing page, you can click on the radio page, and that'll get you into this show. Uh, and then you can click on the blue member button on the left hand side, and uh, that's where you join, become a member. It's fast, easy, and best of all, free. My favorite words. And uh, that allows you access to member-only areas like the past audio archives. And that allows you to listen to shows going all the way back. Uh, I think we go back as far as the summer uh, of 2012. So that's uh, like four years now worth of, um, of past shows that you can wade through. And uh, you can listen every night and catch up. Uh, and uh, also, you can um, you can have access to the uh, the past uh, guest info, where you'll find all the information on past guests, links to their websites, uh, their books, and so forth. There's even a book club, all sorts of great stuff. It's definitely worth taking a few minutes and uh, and signing up. Uh, what else can I tell you? Oh, the live events page. Just quickly, um, uh, just keep checking the live events page at strangeplanet.ca. We've got a couple more live events coming up this fall, one in September, 
Where Did the Towers Go with Dr. Judy Wood, uh, September 11th, of course. That's a Sunday. And then we have an event coming up in October with our Gary Patterson, our good friend. Uh, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Tales from uh, Rock and Roll, Legends, Curses, and Myths. And uh, that's... We're, we're not settled on the date, but it's going to be uh, possibly October the 15th. But keep checking live events, and uh, there'll be more information forthcoming uh, on those two special events at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium here in Toronto. All right, how often have you looked at life and thought there must be more than just this? Well, my next guest, Jason Quitt, uh, and his co-author, Bob Mitchell, they're proof, living proof that there is. You're going to find answers to some of humankind's greatest questions in their new book, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. And uh, as a multidimensional time traveler, Jason has experienced the past, the present, and the future from ancient Egypt and Atlantis to our possible pre- and post-apocalyptic future. He's been a witness to our unrecorded history. All right, let's introduce Bob. Bob Mitchell is a Canadian author and journalist who covered crime and sports for the Toronto Star for more than 35 years. He's a field investigator for MUFON, based in Ontario, and an executive with MUFON Canada. Bob is also co-founder of Toronto Newswire Services uh, at Tor Newswire. Jason Quitt is a graduate of the Institute of Energy Wellness and a student of Algonquin shamanism has been training and working with many teachers, shamans, and traditional healers from around the world. Jason is also the author and teacher of Egyptian Postures of Power and the Yosef Codes, Methods of Personal hearing, Healing and Practice. As a channeler of universal and dimensional energies of healing, he combines these methods and modalities of energy medicine, shamanism, and dowsing to assist those on their personal paths of healing and enlightenment. Jason Quitt, Bob Mitchell, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling a little tired but from last night's show, and, uh, but uh, we're rare to go. And uh, for people who think I'm really old because of that 35 years at the star, just let them know that I started when I was 8 years old. So. Ex- exactly, <laughs> yes. You were, a, you were a prodigy. I was just, uh, you know, just out of the womb and... Started to learn how to type really, really early in life. So. That's right. You came out and you you had ink stained hands, ink stained right. baby hands. And I had a fedora on already. <laughs> That's right. On one side, and, you know, it just. Uh, Welcome, Bob. Bob is alluding to uh, we did Coast to Coast last night together, so uh, and we had so much fun. We're going to do it all over again. Yeah. Jason, how are you? I'm very good, and last night was very good as well. And I'm happy to be back again. I'm delighted to have you here on the program. All right, let me, uh, for those who missed uh, last night's uh, two-hour extravaganza, uh, this is kind of an interesting um, um, chance meeting that the two of you had. First of all, let me set the table. A couple of weeks ago in Brantford, my hometown, Brantford, Ontario, uh, we had the, uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo, and uh, I was uh, honored to be asked to moderate a panel of some of the top UFO uh, researchers, uh, disclosure advocates, uh, just a who's who, uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Travis Walton, Stephen Bassett, Grant Cameron, Nick Pope. Um, uh, I'm probably going to forget somebody. Uh, However, Richard Dolan, can't forget Richard Dolan, of course. And uh, and then uh, uh, they were facing off against a panel of mainstream uh, reporters and journalists. And this is the first of its kind in Canada. Uh, and the the, mo- the the adjudicators of the panel were, of course, our very good friend uh, Victor Vigiani uh, from Zeland News Network, who uh, is a regular on this program, and 
uh, the aforementioned Bob Mitchell. Bob, um, mm-hmm. just give me your thoughts on, on how that, that panel went. I thought it was a, it was a raving success. Uh, I would agree 100%. It was a raving success for for the people that were there and and the publicity that happened uh, that was generated afterwards. Um, uh, the the people who were the journalists on the panel, um, they could have been. I, I don't think they could have asked any better questions had they been uh, the top executives at CNN or CBC or CTV or ABC. Uh, these were. Uh, not well-known names, but they certainly came up with questions that uh, uh, were right out of the box, outside the box. I mean, uh, every one of them had something that was interesting and intriguing, and and they received some intriguing answers back. So, in that sense, it was great. Uh, I said before, I was very disappointed that the mainstream journalists didn't didn't at least want to come to this event to to cover it. But um, um, that's the way it's always been, and and I guess until. Um, you know, if something really happens, or and it has to happen in the United States, I must add, because I don't think any Canadian newspaper would touch it unless it appears on CNN or on uh, an AP uh, Newswire. Um, but when that happens, they'll be sorry they didn't come out to this event because they could have made a lot of contacts that, that they would have been able to just pick up the phone and call if they ever needed a comment. Uh, now, if they're going to, something like amazing happens, they won't know who to call. So. Precisely. And w- uh, for they're those. Lost. Exactly. Well, and uh, I should point out that Tara McIsaac, uh, who writes for the Epoch Times, and you've yeah, probably seen there. seen the newspaper uh, stand on the sidewalks uh, in Toronto, and it's in many, many countries and, and uh, in many, many languages. And Tara writes the Beyond Science column uh, for Epoch Times, and she's written uh, at least one. Um, a major article on the um, on the event, and uh, so if you want to, if you didn't get to it, in, get, if you didn't get to the uh, Alien Cosmic Expo, and you want to find out what happened, uh, just check out Tara McIsaac at Epoch Times Beyond Science column. It's online, and uh, some really, uh, really nuanced, interesting articles that uh, that she's written about that. That, and, and, and you know what, Richard, what, what has struck me was kind of amazing is that I think it was maybe. Less than a month before our uh, ET hearing, but there was that famous um, news conference at the White House where a couple reporters from the New York Times um, chastised the uh, the president's PR guy for you know not giving a straight answer on the alien question. And I thought, boy, you know, they're really starting to to check in on this, and, and perhaps somebody from the New York Times would have seen this as an opportunity to, to get more information, but um, as far as I know, nothing ever got written in the New York Times about ours. But, but, no, uh, you just keep running into that glass ceiling. And, yeah. And uh, it, it does, you know, Ed, I don't want to belabor the point, but I remember when Edgar Mitchell was in, in the U.K., and, and I think he was over there when he first started talking about... Uh, you know, he's talked to top Pentagon people and, and so forth, and, and uh, aliens are real and all of this. And there was quite a firestorm for about 12 hours, <laughs> and then absolutely yeah. no follow-up after. It it's, 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 it's almost, well, it's absurdist theater when you think yeah. of it. All right. You know, in, in Europe, they, they take this more seriously than North America. Of course, of course, absolutely. Um, yes, they do. So. One day, our day will come. Um, now, speaking of uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo in Brantford, it was uh, there about uh, about a year ago 
uh, Jason. It was your first time, I think, at an Alien Cosmic Expo because this is not this was not up until recently sort of your forte. I mean, uh, you know, ancient Egyptology and and past lives and astral travel. Uh, you're not you haven't been part of the sort of the UFO ET uh, arena, if you will. But you show up a year ago and you have this uh, rather interesting encounter with Bob Mitchell. Yes, and um, you know. When I went there and I gave my talk, um, I was actually quite surprised because uh, the room was actually packed, and a lot of the speakers, a lot of the main speakers um, that were headlining last year came to watch me speak, and they all came up to me afterwards and thanked me for uh, giving the talk that I did, and it, it really made me comfortable and accepted there. And um, Bob came up to me after that talk, and asked me um, if I was interested in writing a book with him about this subject, which is about um, past lives, outer body experience, um, many topics um, in conspiracy and aliens. And it just so happens that um, about a month prior to this event, um, I had something uh, very traumatic happen to me where I got very sick. And that episode, um, I, I'll say that I almost died uh, a month before this, ex a month before the Alien Cosmic Expo, and it really got me thinking about, you know, I think it's time to tell people my truth, um, talk about who I am and what my story is, and uh, because basically uh, I've been hiding most of this my whole life, and I was very fearful in coming out and telling a lot of these stories. Um, so it was almost like the universe just brought me and Bob together right when I made the decision that I wanted to come forward and write this book. And on the surface, uh, uh, Bob and Jason, it seems like kind of an odd pair pairing because, uh, Bob, you, 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 you've written a number of books on, on UFO, uh, UFOs and ETs and, and uh, the alien abductions and, and these sorts of things. And But, but Jason is coming at it from an entirely different angle, uh, you know, astral, oh, astral projections. And yeah. So what, what, caused you, what caused you to think, I've got to write a book with this guy? Um, truthfully, uh, the very first few words that came out of his mouth when he had his, uh, his talk, he said that he came into this life with pre-birth memories and, in fact, uh, chose his parents. And when I heard that, I thought, there's got to be a story there, and I want to tell it. And I didn't really hear much of after that. I was just, you know, in my mind, I was twirling things, saying, "This is going to be a really interesting book if if what he says really happened." And there's got to be a lot more to that. And he's talking about uh, uh, ancient past lives in Egypt, and I'm figuring, well, this all is kind of connected. And and at the time, I I didn't even know the book would even involve uh, aliens or ab abductions or anything like that. I just thought it was just a, a new uh, venue, avenue that I was going to take. Uh, all my stories that I had written before and dealt with, you know, people's personal experiences, their encounters with aliens, uh, their abductions on spaceships, and, and uh, not, not really out-of-body experiences that I understood at the time to be out-of-body experiences. Um, but when I heard Jason's story, I thought, well, this is going to be a completely different a book. It's. Uh, I had no idea that, that aliens were even going to be part of this 
uh, book. I just thought it was going to be about past lives and reincarnation and uh, and then out-of-body experiences. But uh, it's interesting when Jason said a few minutes ago that he was fearful uh, about coming out and telling this story. Uh, everybody that I, well, almost everybody that I had interviewed for my other books uh, about their personal encounters all had that same sense. They, they had kept these dark secrets uh, with them all their lives, and, and these people were now in their 50s and 60s, and suddenly um, they found me for, for some strange reason, and, and also for some strange reason they felt comfortable enough to tell me their, their deepest, darkest secrets. Okay, Bob, I've got, to, I've got to jump in here. We'll take a time out. Jason Quit, Bob Mitchell. Forbidden knowledge, revelations of a multidimensional time traveler right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Bob Mitchell, Jason Quitt, co-authors of Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. And Bob, we were talking about, um, you know, what... What um, I don't want to say possessed you, but what, you know why you made well, this decision that you were going to write a book with with Jason. That's a good Qu- word to use because uh, everybody says that Jason and I were meant to to meet. Uh, there was some some synchronicity involved, and well, the other thing was Jason when you came into the uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo a year ago in Brantford. One of the you, you saw Bob was sitting in the hallway and he had his. Um, his, was it Incursions, one of his, his in, books? Intrusions. Intrusions, sorry, Intrusions. And, uh, and you saw on the, on the cover there's a picture of kind of an insectoid uh, alien. And what did you say, Jason, when you saw that? Um, I walked right up to Bob, and I smiled at him, and I pointed at the cover of his book, and I said, I know that guy. <laughs> you know that guy? You've seen that guy. I've seen that guy. And, you know, that's my first introduction to Bob, and... You know, I guess it's just also synchronicity that he was the first person that I saw when I walked through that door. And, and I got to tell you, Jason is an imposing figure in the sense that uh, he's six foot five, and I'm five foot nine, and I'm sitting down next to Stanton Friedman, so I'm already you know pretty low, and I'm <laughs> staring up at this pretty big guy who says he's seen a very big. Uh, insectoid mantis being, and one of the thoughts that's running through my mind is, I'm looking at a mantis. <laughs> right. <laughs> he seemed to have the same features, and uh, little did I know that uh, throughout our uh, meetings and interviews is, is that one of the things Jason has has stressed, and, and uh, he's not actually the first person that has told me this, but uh, reincarnation takes place in many forms, and uh, we might come back in one lifetime as a human, or we might come back in another lifetime as an alien being. So um, it's quite possible that uh, mantids, uh, some of us have been mantids in previous lives. Um, yeah, there's I'm, something for people to wrap their head around and chew yeah, on because, for a while. because uh, everybody who's had a mantis experience, and I have not found one person yet that's had a negative experience. Oh, is that right? 
absolutely love for these creatures, and they feel love back from them. So there's got to be some connection there. In fact, they all feel that there has been a familiarity at some point in some distant past lives. So um, who knows? Jason might have been a mantis at some point. All right. (laughs) Jason, let me ask you how this works, because, I mean, Bob, I'm guessing that for the most part, most of the experiences that you've covered, these people are, are experiencing either an abduction or a sighting uh, in the um, third dimension. Uh, and That's what I, I originally thought, and I think most of them are, but there's a whole other area to explore. Exactly, and that's, and that's where you come in, Jason, because uh, when you say a multidimensional traveler, you're talking about astral travel. So when you say that you, you saw that insectoid on Bob's, the cover of his book, and you said, I've met that guy, I know that guy, this was on, the, on an astral plane, right? Explain what that means and how that happens. Sure, sure. So um, it all has to do with um, going to sleep. And many people think, you know, you go to sleep and you dream. But there's other states of consciousness when you go to sleep. And one of those states of consciousness is outer body experience or astral travel. So instead of going to sleep and dreaming, um, we're consciously actually shaking ourselves out of the physical body and entering into another dimension. We can call it the astral world or fourth dimension or any dimension, really. And um, many people that are sensitive or, or gifted, they can feel or sense or even see these beings uh, walking into rooms uh, when most people wouldn't have that sensibility as to um, they can't experience uh, those higher senses. So I can feel a being, let's say, walk into a room, but I can't see them with my physical eyes. It is only when I leave my body, suddenly they're right in front of you, clear as day, like just a normal person is just standing in front of you. So these experiences um, are extra-dimensional or multi-dimensional experiences. And and when did it happen first for you? Uh, I mean, I know you have past, you have a, rem- a remembrance or a memory rather of uh, being a, um, a a baby and and choosing your parents before you were actually incarnated. But in terms of astral projections or astral uh, travel and meeting these entities, when did that begin? I think it's been happening my whole life because I have very early memories of uh, things uh, coming into my room in the middle of the night and and really scaring me. Um, But, you know, you'd run to your parents and tell them these things and they just say, you're having a nightmare. Um, So I just kind of pass these off as nightmares. It was only later in life um, in my early 20s when, you know, you have that adult or young adult mind and sensibility where you know you're not dreaming and then you start remembering, okay, I used to do this when I was a child and it started to come back in full force um, around my early 20s. And your first encounter with an insectoid, can you tell me about that? Uh, it's very strange. Um, for For people that experience these things, they'll understand what I'm saying, but these beings have no concept of sleep. So um, you, I'm sleeping in bed, and suddenly you'll feel a presence, and you open your eyes, and it's almost like there's a face, an inch from your face. <laughs> Lovely. That's great to wake up to, isn't it? So, 
So what's your first reaction? Your first reaction is, I think I've hit a couple with my pillow. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say the insectoid got off lucky. (laughs) Right, right, because your first reaction is fear, and you're completely scared, and and they don't understand why you're scared. Um, So uh, my first experience with a mantid is just me opening my eyes and have this big mantis face about an inch from mine, and getting very scared because you know you're you're getting woken up from a dead sleep and not expecting that. And um, the first experience, the mantid actually tried to speak to me, but it was speaking to me in its language, which I could not understand anything. And I just calmly replied back to this being that I'm very sorry, I can't understand you. Uh, can you please speak speak English to me? And it actually looked very confused and turned around and walked out of the room. <laughs> really? So no telepathic uh, ability with, with no. the, the mantis. That's interesting. No, not not with me at, at this first encounter. Bob, does that square with uh, people you've talked to that have had uh, encounters with the mantis? Um, well, the, the, the people that I've talked to, their encounters with the mantis, well, they will swear that it has been in the physical form, although one person that I talked to is on, it's clearly in the in the uh, out of body form. But um, they all had telepathic communication. Um, the only way I can think of why this creature was confused about Jason not understanding what he he or she was talking about was that he or she um, knew that Jason had some point had been a mantis and couldn't figure out why he didn't understand what they were talking about. Ah, that's interesting. So, so maybe they thought they got the wrong person and they just left. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, but Jason is a little different than most people. I mean, he has control over his out-of-body experiences where a lot of people, it just sort of happens to them. Right, so right. It, uh, it may be something to do with that, too. When did you start to develop the control over your, your astral travels, Jason? Um, I would say um, it took a long time to control them, and it, it was not easy at first. So my first experience, um, you know, I was I was having sleep paralysis, and it was happening almost every night to me. I'd be frozen in my body, and I couldn't wake myself up, and I would feel a presence walking around my bedroom, which... Um, <laughs> Didn't feel too good. It was quite frightening. Sounds like the old hag syndrome, which is is fairly common. Fairly common, yeah. And um, one night I just couldn't take it, and I just shook myself and shook myself to wake up. And I shook so hard that I popped out of my body. And as I rose out of my body, I can see myself laying in the bed, uh, still frozen. <laughs> and um, when I looked at the foot of my bed, there was a very tall being. Um, his head almost touched the ceiling, and I think I have about eight-foot ceilings. Uh, and it just looked like a, a black mass, like a big black shadow. And um, at that point, I just thought I was dead. I thought I just, you know, left my body, and <laughs> there's the Grim Reaper standing there waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that pretty much scared me because I wasn't expecting that to happen, let alone see what was in walking around my room. And I got sucked back in my body and woke up. But ever since that experience, um, 
that's never happened to me since. But what has happened is it's almost like a door has been opened for me. And I, I learned how to put myself into sleep paralysis. And the only way I could explain it is going to sleep, but keeping your mind awake. Right, right. And, and once the body's asleep, it's almost like this, this, it just shuts off and there's this numbness. And then with the mind, you just kind of shake your inner body out and then you pop out and you're just kind of floating around the room. Now, in, in certain, we're, we're coming up on a break in a couple minutes. We'll start the conversation yeah. now and we'll, we'll pick it up on the other side. But in, 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 you detail in the book how um, you were essentially abducted. I mean, these were astral abductions, which is kind of a new, a new phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain how that worked. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll just say you're, you're sleeping. You know, you're having a regular sleep. You're dreaming, and then suddenly something sucks you right out of your body. So you're, you're abruptly woken up from your dream state, but you're not getting woken up in the physical. You're getting pulled out of your body in the astral. And there would be beings standing in the room, and they looked like, um, the only way I could describe it is shadows. Um, they, I could not see a form. They just looked like shadows, but humanoid shadows. And um, they would pull my astral body out, uh, shoot me up into outer space. I can see the planet below me. And then they would direct me to a point on the planet. And then they would drop me back down and drop me off at that location. And they would just kind of leave me there to experience the environment that they're leaving me. And I soon realized that these environments that they're dropping me um, is Earth in different timelines. So it was almost like um, not only astral abductions, but astral time travel uh, experiences. And and uh, the the one of the first places you got dropped off, and you believe this was Earth at a different timeline. It's in its future, presumably, mm-hmm. uh, where the planet was essentially rendered to ash. Yes, yes, everything was uh, scorched and burnt. Um, the ground was almost like a dark brown red and the sky was very dark as well um, very red and you can see the trees in the distance and they were all just cinders Um, and then they took my consciousness down into a bunker system uh, to show me uh, a person that was uh, trying to survive down there but it looked like this person was suffering greatly so whatever was happening or did happen um, this bunker did not protect this person. Uh, so, and that was the first experience of this astral time travel that I've been on. That must have been uh, traumatic beyond words. I mean, you must, I mean, that must have taken a while to recover from. Uh, yes, and it was, um, it's, it's a very strange experience because it's very real. I, I would say that you're using, when you're out of your body, you're using different senses and everything is heightened. So not only am I there and I can see the environment, but I can feel what's going on. I could, uh, I could like smell the air, feel the air. Right. So uh, it's not like looking at a, like looking dispassionately at a painting or a photograph. You're, 
you're experiencing it. You're feeling the wind in your face and so forth. Listen, I've got to, uh, remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I have to take a time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll continue to talk about astral abductions uh, and the uh, revelations of a multidimensional time traveler. And that would be Jason Quitt along with co-author Bob Mitchell right here on The Conspiracy Show. Do not go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Bob Mitchell and Jason Quitt. Uh, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler is the book. Uh, now, are we... Um, I, I forgot to mention this off the top, but are we going to do the uh, the big announcement towards the end of the show, gentlemen? Sure. Excellent. It, Bob and uh, Jason uh, have a another project coming down the pipe, and uh, they're going to share that with you. And uh, let me uh, let me tell you right now, you're going to you want to stick around to the end because, uh, <clears throat> well, it relates to disclosure. I'll tell you that much. And uh, this one is a Lollapalooza, um, if um, if Bob and Jason are correct. Uh, this one is going to cause just tremendous a tremendous uproar in uh, the uh, the ufo disclosure uh community and beyond more than just ufos anyway stick around for that now jason you were detailing one of your alien your astral abductions where you're left on on um, a planet earth or taken and dropped on planet earth uh sometime in our future was there any any information communicated to you by these entities that that took you uh, what this timeline was and what happened. Was it Planet X? Was it nuclear ap- apocalypse? What happened? Um, actually, there was never communication with these beings. It was almost just like they just wanted me to observe something. And once I experienced it or once I observed it, they would come back down, pick me back up. I'd go back into outer space and they get shot back down into my bedroom, into my body, and, and wake up. Um, and, that was, and that's how it happened all those times, all those times. And so how frequent was, was this? Was this every night, every week, every month? How frequent? Uh, when it first started, it, it happened, I would say, every month. It would be the, a big uh, time travel uh, experience. And then between the time travel experiences, I would have... I would say um, alien um, intrusions or astral entities or past life visions or dreams that would come to me. So, um, but I would say the uh, the time travel experiences were the most uh, dramatic of all these experiences. Most people would lose their minds, Jason, if that were to happen. Where did you find the strength to just continue to live a so-called normal life? Uh, <laughs> actually, I have no idea <laughs> because I I really couldn't tell anybody. Uh, I, you know, I have the logic in the sense that I know that if I open my mouth, I'd probably be locked up. <laughs> and um, I did actually start to talk to my friends about some of the stuff I was being taught. 
And just the looks that my friends gave me, I kind of just kept it to myself afterwards. Um, so it was a very uh, taboo subject, um, and that's why I kind of just hit it for so long. But um, the most dramatic one that I went on was um, getting dropped off at this uh, prison camp for children. And it, it was, um, they yeah. dropped me back off, and it was almost like an open-air prison with uh, big walls of concrete with barbed wire, and uh, you can see the sky, um, and it was the same sky. It was this red sky, dark red sky. It almost looked like the sky was burnt or something terrible had happened to the sky. But um, there were kids between ages of, um, I would say, 5 to 13, and they weren't wearing any uh, prison uniforms. They were just re wearing regular clothing. And uh, there were armed guards there, um, and there was a tank in this open field um, that was enclosed by this prison. And um, I was basically witnessing a massacre, mm. which was very traumatic for me, because, you know, you're just getting kind of dropped off in the middle of it and having to watch all this happening. Um, and when I came back from that experience, um, I was... I was white as a ghost. I was very sick, and I was, like, shaking for a week. These I were mean, children like, between the ages of, what, 5 and 13? Yeah, about 5 and 13, I would guess. Um, so small kids, and, um, I, like, you know, people have shell shock or uh, uh, post-traumatic stress. Like, I, I experienced that after coming back from that experience, and, um, I was actually just praying and begging, like, you know, I never want to do this again. Don't take me. I, I don't want these abilities. I don't want any of this to happen to me ever again. And that's when um, the experience started to change. Um, and when these beings would come to me and take me out of my body, they actually started to speak to me. Um, and uh, they started to teach me. And the first things they talked to me about and it was telepathic so you would see kind of this being in the room which just looked like uh, a shadow but you could hear their voice speaking in your mind uh, and they started to tell me about um, you know uh, the food and the water is compromised I have to eat better and <laughs> drink better water and there's um, electromagnetic pollution that's causing all these effects in your body and Basically, all the information they started to tell me boiled down to, uh, you have to heal yourself. Um, that was the most important message that they would continually tell me is, um, you have to heal yourself before you could um, do what you do in this world or go on your path. You have to heal. All right, Jason, I'm going to step in here. We'll take a time out, come back. Jason Quit, Bob Mitchell. And the book is Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. 
We are back with uh, Bob Mitchell and Jason Quit, and we are taking this for the full two hours. Uh, so just a note to the uh, affiliates along the line that um, um, don't carry us into the second hour, at least on con you know consecutive hours, um, that uh, we will be continuing on with, uh, uh, with Bob and Jason afterwards. All right. So, uh, Bob, this whole idea of astral abductions, when he started talking about this to you and when you heard his presentation discussing this, these things happening not in the third dimension but in the fourth dimension, did the lights start to go off for you in terms of your previous experiences with abductees and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started to think that uh, maybe the abduction... Um, that were happening all around the world. And, and you got to remember, this is not just something that happens to a few people. There's millions of people around the world that claim to have, have abduction experiences. And I started thinking that so many of them uh, end up telling people that they're in their bed, they, they suddenly find themselves uh, flying through the air, uh, either up straight through the ceiling of, or through the walls, and they find themselves on a spaceship or, or in an underground base or somewhere like that, and yet um, their spouses never say they ever left the bed. The kids come into the room sometimes, and they never see that mommy or daddy's left the bed. Um, everything seems normal, yet to them they have had this incredible experience. So when Jason started talking about astral abduction, and with the consciousness, uh, because when you're in the astral world, you're seeing 360 degrees, but you don't have a sense of a body. You just know everything. Um, so I started thinking, well, perhaps that's what's happening to a lot of these people, that they're not physically being taken up to the ceiling of their roof, uh, because that seems to be quite impossible in a, in a third-dimensional world. But in the astral world, that's quite Possible. You can go through doors. Uh, matter doesn't exist the way that uh, we see it in, in to our eyes right now. And so, perhaps when they're being abducted, their their consciousness is actually um, somewhere else. And whatever the entities are doing, or, or trying to get information from you, or or uh, you know even tapping into your psychology, um, they're doing it in an astral world. Uh, they're not physically harming your body. Um, that's not to say that there aren't some third-dimensional abductions, because I think they are, and, and some of them end up leaving marks. But uh, the vast majority of people don't have any marks, don't have any, uh, anything to say that it actually happened, except they, they know it happened. And a lot of people say, well, where's the proof? And, and they can't give them the proof. Um, so to me, it started making a lot of sense that, that this is what's going on. People are being abducted in a very strange way and it's and it's an astral abduction um so the, you know, I, I think most abductions take place that way right right i mean it certainly explains a lot uh yeah. you know passing through solid objects and so forth however uh, well uh we mentioned the alien cosmic expo and of course travis walton was there that's yeah. that's got to be an that's got to be third dimensional. Yeah, uh, that was a, that's a physical yeah. uh, something that happened. What about Betty and, and Betty and Barney Hill? I, I think that was physical too. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember um, that happened in the was it the late sixties. I think both of them. Yeah. Um, I think. Well, Travis, Travis was nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Seventy five. And a lot has changed since then. And there is some uh, thought that 
whatever the aliens were doing, um, they're not doing anymore. And that would also explain why there has been really a lack of people coming forward in modern times. Like I, by modern times, I mean the last decade, say. That's, that's, saying, that's I, a good I've point. These, uh, if so I'm not saying that they're not still happening, but if they are happening, they're happening in uh, the astral world. They, they don't need to take the physical body anymore. Well, there a couple of things that come to mind there. First of all, I, I, it's interesting. You know, one of the the um, indicators often of some sort of an abduction is the missing time. But if it's fourth dimensional and you're outside of time and space, then there shouldn't be a, a time gap. In yeah, those I don't think there is for that. Right. Uh, if the there's other, a physical, there is still. Exactly. The other thing is, if we're dealing with um, uh, entities on, a on an astral plane, uh, does that mean that they are, in fact, of this, that they're not of this universe? They're not extraterrestrial, they're interdimensional. Uh, either of you can jump in on that one. Oh, um, well, I, I believe they're interdimensional. Right, so we're not, t in these cases, Jason, where you have, where you encounter the, the insectoids or these other entities, we're not talking about someone from the Sagittarius, you know, um, constellation or from, you know, actually, Orion. Actually, we are. Oh, okay. We are. Um, we have to think of it this way. Um, we reside in a body on this physical earth, but we also have an interdimensional body. We are multidimensional beings, so we can actually leave this body and travel in that form to other places. So um, I've had experiences in the astral, or I'll, I'll just say dimensionally, where beings from other planetary systems, let's say Sagittarius. Um, Sagittarius, I've met reptilians from Sagittarius, <laughs> and they would come astrally or dimensionally, not in a physical sense. So for them to communicate to me at, on Earth, we could do that um, in this dimensional world. So uh, many of these beings have multi-dimensional capabilities. So they could reside in a physical body on a physical planet, but could also reside outside of that in the, their multi-dimensional hmm. consciousness forms. And, and I think they prefer the, the conscious form. Wouldn't you agree, Jason? Well, I mean, you don't have to travel in a spaceship. You can just go yeah. there yeah. <laughs> just by thought. Well, that solves another problem, doesn't it, um, yeah. uh, Bob, in terms of, you know, the, the, what do the debunkers say? Well, there's no, you know, the closest star system is X number of light years away, and in order for them, you know, they'd have to travel a thousand years at the speed of light and, Einstein, you know, counter to Einstein's theory of relativity, yada, yada, yada. Uh, if we're talking about astral travel, it's, it's instantaneous, it's all done with, the, with consciousness, and that solves that problem. It, it solves that problem, although we're going to solve the other problem in our new book. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I just think that the uh, – Jason to, has told me many times that uh, when he's in the astral plane, it seems more real than this physical existence. So I have to think that uh, the entities that have mastered this uh, feel the same way, that it's almost like a, a bothersome – thing for them to have to appear in a physical form. Right, right. And if they do, uh, a lot of people aren't going to like them. So they'd rather come to you in a, in a 
conscious form where they're actually meeting humans, per se, who have some kind of understanding of, of who they are when they see them in this kind of form. And, and you mentioned the reptoids, you, you, yeah. uh, and we often read about or hear about encounters with reptoids that are not pleasant. Uh, these are um, perhaps, you know, among the, uh, the nastiest uh, ETs that people, you know, talk about in terms of encounters. But you've, you've had sort of both kinds of experiences with reptoids, haven't you? Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, um, <laughs> but let's just say that, uh, thankfully, I've had more contact with uh, the nice guys. <laughs> and that, but, Just like mankind, they're good humans and bad humans. Okay, so are we talking about um, two separate sort of reptoid civilizations, or are we talking about a reptoid civilization, but there are simply there are bad actors and there are good actors? Um, actually, both, because um, I would say that there's many um, reptoid civilizations across the universe. Um, some of them very peaceful, very enlightened. Uh, and some of them not. So, you know, I've I learned very early that um, you know th this planet in particular um, has had a history with uh, not so nice ones, um, and there's other um, alien or entity beings, even multi-dimensional beings or astral beings that um, are very much involved on planet Earth, um, but most people have no awareness of that. They, they don't understand that these beings have been with us um, since our inception. Right. They, they've always been here. Well, we have, of course, the, uh, the legends of uh, reptoid species living below the city of Los Angeles, for example, and then we have stories of, uh, or sightings of, of craft uh, that appear to uh, be coming out of the center of the earth or descending into the ocean to some subterranean lair. So is, is, are these the, is this the reptoid civilization that is extant on planet earth of which you speak? There, yes, there, there is. Um, there's many more, actually, of other species. But if we just want to talk about um, the reptilians, they, um, they've been here much longer than us. And I would say that um, if you look at the human beings from a historical perspective, it's almost like um, we came and took over their planet. <laughs> hmm. yeah. um, it begs a question when you're dealing with these entities on an astral plane, and thank goodness you know, most of your encounters have been uh, 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 peaceful, but what happens if you are attacked uh, on, on, on an astral plane. Let's say you're, you're um, I mean, can you be killed on the astral plane? Uh, and if so, then what happens to you in the third dimension? Okay. Um, I wouldn't say you can be killed, but I can say that uh, there are beings that could connect to you on that level and stay connected to you and influence you in the physical and some of them can even pull you out of your body and take your body over. 
so this is where it gets into the religious aspects of uh, possession. Right. Um, so this is happening dimensionally, and there are some pretty nasty beings out there, um, and they're attracted to you for a very simple thing. They're attracted to you in what you carry with you. So they're attracted to your emotions, and they're attracted to your uh, thought forms, um, because what you feel and what you think actually creates energy uh, dimensionally. And these beings, um, they can almost feed off of that energy. So to, to go into the astral or to go into these dimensions, it's actually quite dangerous. Sure. Because when you're leaving from a human body that has all these wounds and karma and you know, stuff from our ancestry, when we bring that dimensionally, um, it's almost like we're going to be pulled where we resonate to. So if we're carrying pretty dark things, um, we're going to go to some pretty dark places. And when we come back to the physical body, we, we actually bring residue of that back with us. The, uh, the silver cord, when, you, when your, your astral body leaves your physical body, mm-hmm. uh, is, or is that just a legend? Or a, a, a... I, I've never seen a, a silver cord. Um, I just know that um, it's almost like waking up from a dream. Um, it's like when you got to get back to your body, it's like you're just back in your body. It's almost like an instant thing. All right, but Jason and Bob, uh, stay put, and um, we're going to wrap up this hour. And uh, for those down the uh, the line, our affiliates that uh, are taking us into the next hour, Jason and Bob will stay with us. In the meantime, let me remind you once again, the website, your portal to the conspiracy show, strangeplanet.ca, that's a landing page. And then from there, you can go every which way uh, but loose. You can go to the radio page, the TV page, the live events page, and uh, also, please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett. S as in Simon. Y because I love you. R E double T. Say hello. And as always, follow the truth. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your taxi cab, RV camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Congratulations, uh, you found us. And a big hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio, here in uh, the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Canada. 50,000 watts of peace and love coming at you. Uh, also... A big how-do to all of you listening in on our apps. Uh, there's the Zoomer Radio app, which is absolutely amazing. And then there's the Conspiracy Show app, also equally amazing. And they're both free downloads from iTunes and uh, Google Play. Uh, all of you listening in on uh, one of our growing list of affiliates. Uh, we're up to about 35 now on uh, both sides of the border. So we hope to keep that going. And uh, also... And while we're not you, we're not doing the uh, the live stream tonight on uh, on YouTube. We will resume that next week. Uh, but I, I do want to shout out to all of you who do catch us on the uh, the YouTube live stream through our Google Hangout on air. Uh, and of course, again, we'll resume the uh, the live stream, the Hangout on air, the HOAs next week when our intrepid producer Albert Albert Vinzel uh, rejoins us after some much deserved time off. All right, part two of my conversation with co-authors Bob Mitchell and Jason Quitt. Uh, the book is called Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. The multidimensional time traveler, traveler of course, would be uh, Jason Quitt and uh, uh, Bob Mitchell, uh, no stranger, of course, to the, the, the UFO, uh, ET, and disclosure arena. And uh, uh, Bob was the adjudicator at a uh, recent historic um, a disclosure panel at um, uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo in Brantford, uh, where we had the, uh, a panel of the top UFO researchers and uh, disclosure advocates, Stephen Bassett, Grant Cameron, Richard Dolan, Stanton Friedman, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Travis Walton, uh, and Nick Pope squaring off against a, um, a panel of, of uh, mainstream journalists uh, who acquitted themselves quite nicely and asked uh, incredibly nuanced, uh, sophisticated questions. And it was at the Alien Cosmic Expo uh, one year prior uh, that, uh, that Bob Mitchell and uh, Jason Quitt met and uh, hit it off and immediately decided to, to work together and write a book. Bob is a Canadian author, journalist who covered crime and sports for the Toronto Star, for more than 35 years, he's a field investigator for MUFON based in Ontario and an executive with MUFON Canada. He's also co-founder of Toronto Newswire Services at Tor Newswire. Jason Quitt is a graduate of the Institute of Energy Wellness and a student of Algonquin shamanism. He's been training and working with many teachers, shamans, traditional healers from around the world. He's also the author and teacher of Egyptian Postures of Power and the Yosef Codes, Methods of Personal Healing and Practice. As a channeler of universal and dimensional energies of healing, he combines these methods and modalities of energy medicine, shamanism, and dousing to assist those on their own personal paths of healing and enlightenment. <clears throat> and uh, uh, previously, in the, in the previous hour, we, we were talking about uh, your astral uh, travels, Jason. We were talking about a phenomenon known as uh, astral ab um, abduction, where you are taken while you are in this state against your will and uh, often dropped off uh, 
on back on Earth, but in a different timeline, the future. And let's face it, the future not looking uh, particularly uh, rosy. In one case, you were dropped on the planet and it had been burnt to an ash. Another incident, you were dropped off and it was a, it appeared to be some sort of a concentration camp for small children and you witnessed just something too horrific even for words, uh, the slaughter of innocents. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, in another astral projection, or was this an astral abduction and you were dropped off in the year 2700? Tell me about that. No, um, it was different. Uh, this happened uh, years after. The, the first experiences with the time travel was about uh, 10 years ago. Actually, more than 10 years ago now, um, almost 15 years ago. And um, this one to 2700 uh, was more recent. And um, a lot of these journeys now, it's not like I'm being pulled out of my body. It's just... Um, it's almost like I'll go to sleep and suddenly my consciousness will be um, taken somewhere. Um, it's completely comfortable and it's more like a, a learning experience. So um, one of the latest ones, I think it happened um, last November, and that was to the year uh, around 2700 is what they said. And it's almost like I'd go there uh, consciously and I would have, a being speaking telepathically in my mind, explaining what I'm seeing. Um, so it's almost like I'll be projected there, um, and I would get to see certain scenes in certain places, and almost like a story. Um, and it will be a story that's given to me telepathically. And um, what they showed me was that um, in our future, um, I think this is very far in our future, so not to worry, but um, there was a war um, between uh, two um, alien species for the control of Earth, and uh, they showed me one of these species, and the only way I could describe them is the ant people. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, you know many ancient um, traditions speak of the ant people, especially the Hopi Indians. That's right. And when I saw these beings... Um, it's probably the best description I can think of. It's the first thought that popped into my man, my mind was, um, this looks like an Ant-Man. <laughs> right, right. And um, they also showed me that these Ant uh, people were known in our past, and they built these um, step pyramids. Um, also, that um, after this war took place, it was decided that... <laughs> Uh, there would be no um, government system, and that the entire world would be run by an artificial intelligence, which was integrated into everything. It was integrated into uh, the human mind, the human body. Um, it was integrated into all technologies and even the buildings. So it was almost like a smart building. Right, right. Um, the Internet of Everything, which is here now. So I hear... <laughs> But this was this was something very advanced and different. It's almost like, let's say you walk into a building, and as you walk into the building with your mind, you can have a conversation with the building, like, oh, what's the weather today? Um, you know, what's going on in the news around the world? Like, you can just talk to the building, and the building will answer you in your mind. Right, right. I mean, it does sound eerily familiar uh, to things that 
Stephen Hawking is warning about this you know the singularity the uh, the robot apocalypse uh, some are perce perceiving the rise of artificial intelligence as the existential threat uh, to mankind um, so but you're saying that this this will not come into fruition uh, at least uh, was was the timeline 2700 yeah it was it was 2700 when I saw this future right um, but I got a sense even then that um, there was something wrong like this this was not oh, the right way of living and I was also kind of told that this type of progression um, has happened on many other planets before um, some with uh, very um, I, I would say robot apocalypse <laughs> almost like Terminator so it, it has happened before in other places um, will it happen here I, I don't know um, I didn't see that Bob, this whole concept of astral abductions, and um, which offers a um, maybe a, a more plausible explanation for for what is happening uh, with with these ET intrusions and so forth, uh, because it does answer if we, as we discussed, it answers a lot of the questions about how they how are they able to transit these huge distances. Well, if it's done at a conscious level, astral projection, that, that, that explains a lot. Uh, but how is this, not only your book, but also this, this sort of this new approach, if I can call it that, to the whole ET UFO issue, how is this playing to the UFO ET community? Uh, I mean, is this causing any, any debate? Is it, uh, are people on side with it? Um, you know, some of the people that I've written about, um, they're not too happy that I have said that I think some of their experiences are happening in the astral plane and not in the real third dimensional here and now. Um, and that's fine because I think, you know, their experiences may have been the ones that happened in the, the here and now. And again, they happen you know, when they were in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and now they're in their 60s. So uh, I have no problem with that. Uh, they just, you know, seem to think that it it's can't, can't possibly be true. Um, on the other hand, I've had people that I've written about who, when I wrote the story, I wrote it as if it was happening in the, the physical uh, plane. And yet, uh, when I went back to ask them a simple question afterwards was that, when they were on the slab of uh, medical equipment, did they actually see themselves? And when they thought about it, uh, they didn't. They saw all around them, they saw in front of them, they saw the beings, but they weren't conscious of their own physical body. Hmm. Um, they, they absolutely remember everything, but now they're starting to rethink their own mind about you know, what it was that happened to them. So. Um, I think it's uh, kind of split right now, but uh, I've had lots of people come up to me and, and say, you know, you've got it dead on. That's what's what's happening. Um, so, I mean, I, I think both are happening, and I'm quite willing to accept that both are happening. Uh, I just think this gives another uh, alter ulterior um, possibility. Right, right. You know, another thing that uh, that has occurred to me uh, as I'm listening to to both of you, 
and discussions about how this is happening on an astral plane. And it's something that I've heard Grant Cameron talk about and others, but Grant came immediately to mind, and he's had conversations with um, individuals who are believed to have been part of Majestic 12, and one of them, I believe, was a professor at, um, I'm not sure if it was Princeton. You may know who I'm referring to, Bob. His name doesn't come to me. Uh, but the he also heard it the same thing from I'm not sure if it was Ben Rich but the common denominator was what they told Grant is if you want to understand how UFOs get here if you want to understand UFO propulsion you have to understand ESP uh, ESP um, well I, is ESP just another part of astral projection? I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. I I, um, I think there may be a connection because yeah. astral projection certainly sounds a lot to me like remote viewing. Yes. And I spent I just I, I just came back from uh, the San Jose, California area, and uh, Russell Targ. I spent an afternoon with Russell, who lives in Palo Alto, and Russell was the co-founder of the at Stanford Research Institute uh, from the, I guess, late 70s to the mid-90s, and that was, that's where they, along with Ingo Swan and, and Hal Putoff and Pat Price, they developed, uh, you know, the remote viewing uh, program and studied mm -hmm. it. And, I mean, remote viewing certainly is very closely tied to, you know, ESP. So maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm out on a limb here, I'm just wondering if, if that's what Majestic 12, this individual, and... and Ben Rich or whoever it was from Skunk Works were alluding to when they talked about what you need to understand when it comes to UFO propulsion is is ESP. Um, it, it could well a lot of people think that the UFOs are powered by the mind, not any propulsion system. Um, right. I'm not. A, well, I think the physical machines may not be, but who's to say there are not uh, similar type aircraft or spacecraft in the um, in, in the, the alternate reality um, maybe they you know you, they still need some kind of a physical um, machine to get you from point A to point B but it goes a lot faster when you're in the astral world so leave it to me to muddy the water <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and most people would still not be able to see it unless they were in the astral world so right. it's uh, Got it. It's that. Uh... Got to take a time out. We'll come back. Jason Quitt, Bob Mitchell. The book is Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. There's more right after this. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. We are back. Jason Quitt is a multidimensional time traveler, and he and co-author Bob Mitchell have penned a, a new book just out this spring, March, I think it was, uh, and it is Forbidden Knowledge. Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. We're talking astral travel, astral projection, astral abductions, entities met on the astral plane, and the parallels between this and the sort of the modern uh, UFO and ET abduction um, events. And um, uh, Jason, I want to come back to you. And um, 
I think it was actually Victor Vigiani who, who, who has said this on my program many times, and that is when we finally figure out, you know, what's going on with UFOs or who's piloting them, it'll probably be nothing we've even thought about or even considered. I mean, we're focused on, you know, the cliche, little green men from a distant planet, but who knows? I think Victor said, you know, they, who knows? They could be time travelers, and which certainly seems to be sort of in line with what you're saying because, I mean, obviously... Much of what you discuss is wrapped up in, in reincarnation and the idea that, you know, at one time we may have been uh, Palladians or reptoids or insectoids in, a, in another life. Is, is that right? That's correct. That's correct. And do you have a sense or you have knowledge of, of uh, who you were in terms of um, extraterrestrial species in, in another life? Were you a Palladian? Were you a reptoid? Were you all of them? Were you a gray? I would say everyone that you've mentioned, I have memories of. You have memories of being a gray. Yeah, so w what I'm saying is that we play all the roles. Like, uh, consciousness is eternal, it's infinite, and we are out there, even as I'm sitting here, even as you're sitting there, um, you're actually living multiple existences. So even, you know, Richard is here, but Richard is also a Pleiadian, or Richard is also an Octorian, or um, even beyond. See, we have these names which are very close in our um, solar system and galaxy, but we, we don't even know how many trillions of planetary systems and civilizations there are. Right, right. And we're also living out multiple timelines, correct? Well, and multi-universes. right with which all have dimensions. <laughs> that is mind-blowing, isn't it? It's, it's quite vast. It's There's beyond. a million Richard Serrett's out there right now talking about a conspiracy show. Jeez, isn't one plenty? <laughs> I know. Uh, th th that's, it's a fascinating concept, and I, I love the idea because, um, you know, imagine though it, it, that means in another universe, in another timeline, for example, you know, John Lennon, uh, escaped the assassin's bullet, and the Beatles are still out there making albums. I mean, Absolutely. This, this is. I, I mean, well, that's that's true, and the albums are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They never should have got back together. That's uh, no, but, no, but but no. but I mean, this is not this is not pie in the sky, you know, crazy stuff. Theoretical physicists talk about this stuff all the time, and they're in in. There's a, a, a theoretical physicist, and again, uh, in a senior moment. His name escapes me, but he's talking about uh, developing. Uh, a, a quantum computer that will prove the multiverse theory. Is that Michu uh, Kaku? No, it wasn't Michu. Uh, it's not Kaku, but there's a there's another. Uh, I think he's at Oxford, and his name will come to me at some point. Probably at three o'clock this morning, and I'll yes. I'll sit up upright upright in bed and remember it and shout it out. But uh, you see what what we just talked about. For the average person, and I consider myself the average person. It's so mind-boggling to even try to comprehend that, 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 you know, most people will just shut it down and say, can't possibly be true, uh, that's really far-fetched. Um, but what if it is true? And, and that's where you have to always leave that little door open, because uh, the world we live in may not be exactly the world we think it is, and, and it could be just a small part of the overall world. Um, you know, I, the fact that we, if we are living multi-existence at the same time, um, that is something that you'd really have a hard time to get your head around. But 
Um, as well, you say, it's it's a theory and it's a possibility. Right, right. And who's going to prove you wrong? Who's going to prove you right? It's like... Well, as I say, one day maybe we will have uh, solid scientific proof for the existence of the multiverse, and, and uh, it's all wrapped up in the development of this quantum computer. I'm wondering, uh, I mentioned Russell Targ earlier, and of course um, the remote viewing program, and uh, the, the, our Cold War adversaries at the time, the Soviets, were, were also working on a remote viewing program. Theirs apparently had a little more sort of nefarious intent. They were actually trying to develop psychic assassins yeah um however you know when when something like this breaks through into the public consciousness it's always an indicator that uh one it's been going on far longer than we've been told and two they're much further ahead in these True. developments that we've been i'm wondering uh for example with your ability uh jason have you ever been i don't know if you can even discuss this publicly but have you been approached by uh, intelligence groups or or uh, the military or some other uh, think tank uh, interested in your skills and how they might be employed uh, for the benefit of a particular uh, organization, nation, state, what have you? Um, <laughs> I'll, answer it, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, there is there is such things as um, I'd say remote viewers. Uh, that come to watch you speak. Um, and there's also, um, I'll say, like, astral assassins that are sent to you. <laughs> um, so there is a world out there that still exists, and there's still people that are employed and do this. But you personally haven't been approached? Um, no, not by any government agency. Okay. Not yeah. by a government agency. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can read between the lines. All right. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned, you know, that, that these psychic assassins uh, exist. And um, actually, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the publication, but they did talk about these choking experiments they did in the Soviet Union where one agent was able to uh, uh, asphyxiate, uh, didn't kill the other person, but f from a remote distance, he actually focused on choking this person, and the person... You know, collapsed. So this is this seems to be possible. But you have had um, an actual incident where you were you were speaking. I think you were talking about uh, a Tesla, uh, Nikola Tesla's you know in, inventions and and so forth. And then you you came under psychic attack. When did that happen? Um, that happened uh, last May. Um, so about um, a month before the first ACE conference. And. Um, Alien Cosmic Expo, Ace. Alien Cosmic Expo, yes. And, um, yeah, basically, I gave uh, a, a talk about uh, Tesla and Akhenaten and the, the, Earth, um, the Earth grid that powers uh, the pyramids and the ley lines and all this fun stuff. And, you know, I got into extra-dimensional stuff and ancient wars and how they use the Earth grid to create... Um, weather modification weapons and, you know, all these fun topics. Um, but um, in my, like even my wife was there and she's very uh, gifted and psychic and she saw these um, astral beings come into the talk. I mean, no one else could see them. 
and um, they simply walked in like anyone else, like you know, uh, in attendance. Oh, they walked. That's in. right, but um, most people can't see them. Right, because they're in. I would say the astral. Right, um, and um, she said she she witnessed them um, attack me or do something to me, and almost immediately after that talk, I started to get these very physical symptoms. Um, I started to get these hives on my arm, and it eventually spread to my whole body. Um, and basically, it felt like all the life was taken from me. I basically laid in bed for a month. Uh, I couldn't eat. I couldn't get up and walk around. I was in excruciating pain. And um, even my vision went. My eyes, I couldn't see. Um, so I was uh, declining very fast. And I went to every doctor, and I got blood tests, and you name it, they ran it. And uh, basically, they were just scratching their head, telling me that there's nothing wrong with me, and it's a medical anomaly. They just don't understand it. So I knew that it was an energetic attack, or I would say an energetic poisoning. And um, luckily, I have a lot of good friends that are uh, shamans and healers, and um, I thought I could do it myself, but I eventually called uh, one of them, and uh, they did a, a healing on me, and the next day I got better. So, um, you know, so I'm very lucky, but I think all these things are lessons that, you know, yes, this stuff exists, and there's certain lines you don't cross. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Have you developed, well, I mean... Arguably, we might be crossing a few lines tonight. Uh, are you now schooled in the art of spiritual self-defense? I would say so. And I have... I, I would say that I've been under attack for 15 years, uh, continually. Every couple months, something will come and wake me up. That's not a very nice thing. And... Um, I've gotten to a point where I could handle myself. How about you, uh, Bob, now that you're um, associated with, with um, Jason, has anything odd, unusual uh, happened to you? Because I, I, I find that once you get sort of, you're connected to somebody else's world, you get, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Um, odd. Not odd in the sense that I feel I've been attacked or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about last night on Coast to Coast about how um, <clears throat> I didn't really understand crystals before, and, and Jason has one of the um, you know, crystals as part of his healing uh, practice that he has. And, and there's a apparently, not, which I didn't know, there's a worldwide... Uh, presence about people all over the world believe that uh, crystals and and precious stones have, have this tremendous healing power. Because, oh, it's huge! It's a huge yeah, industry. Yeah. yeah, and and it's and again, it it has to do with the third and fourth dimension. The uh, in this dimension, they look like nice looking, pretty rocks. In very higher dimensions, um, there are living entities. Uh, we just can't see them in this dimension, so they have these great spiritual healing powers and um as i mentioned I, I i kept seeing people come up to our booth at the toronto health show 
and people were grabbing these uh, crystals, and they all were very knowledgeable about which crystal it was, and they'd grab them, and they'd close their eyes, and they'd spread their arms out and look up to the ceiling, and they were having a religious experience. And all this was very strange to me, and even though I wrote about it in the book, I basically wrote about it from Jason's perspective, um, not really having any grounding on, on this whole topic. Um, but I wanted to try to experience it, so he, he told me to hold one crystal in one hand and one crystal in the other hand and breathe in from the left hand and breathe out through the right hand, and I did that a few times. Uh, had no experience whatsoever, didn't, didn't feel anything, and really didn't give it another thought. And then half an hour later, my left uh, shoulder started aching, and it really felt like somebody had broken my shoulder. And I knew what that pain was like because I had broken my right shoulder once. So uh, it was the same kind of feeling that it was just, it hurt so bad. And then it got worse as the night went on. And, and by the end of the night, when I had to drive home uh, to Brantford from downtown Toronto, I um, basically had to use my right hand to pull my left hand up under the steering wheel and use my right hand to do the turn signal. Very painful. Went home. Um, did a you know, Tylenol 3, got up the next morning, uh, very painful still. In fact, it probably felt worse. Um, no idea where this pain came from because I hadn't lifted anything heavier than the book that I was signing autographs for. And, uh, in fact, by the Sunday, I had to have Jason actually lift the book up for me. Oh, dear. And I had to – it was so painful. And he explained that we have these physical bodies and we have this uh, energetic body. And the energetic body is, is, is basically our past lives and our past trauma. And I had to get rid of a trauma that happened in a past life, and there was a blockage. And this sort of said to him that in one of my past lives, I probably broke my arm or broke my shoulder on that side. All right, I gotta, I gotta jump in here. I gotta take a time out. We'll come back. We'll pick up on that. Jason Quit and Bob Mitchell. Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Bob Mitchell and Jason Quitt, co-authors of Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler, with us tonight for the full two hours. And um, so, Bob, you were talking about uh, being at the Toronto Health Show, and uh, you were um, sort of learning for the first time about the power of crystals and so forth. Nothing happened uh, then, later that day, into the evening, into the next day. Tremendous shoulder and arm pain. And um, Jason explained to you that this was quite likely um, a, uh, an injury suffered in a past life that had caused a blockage. So, so what did, you, did you do a regression, or, or what happened? No, he just said it would eventually go away in a couple of days. And, and sure enough, in a couple of days, it went away. There was no pain whatsoever. Um, the rational mind tells me I have no idea what happened. Um, but the mind that I've learned to accept things from Jason is that it's exactly like he said, that that was a past trauma that I needed to get rid of. 
Right. Have you and, thought about and, past regression therapy? Because, I mean, I've witnessed that, and I, I'm conflicted by it, as I've explained many times. Yeah. But I, um, I, there's an incident in my past about a possible uh, UFO encounter that I, I want to find out whether one way or another if, if, if it happened or not. Um, and I've sort of tentatively made uh, arrangements with Leslie Mitchell-Clark mm-hmm. to have her do it for me. Right. Uh, and we may actually do it on... Uh, on a live TV show, so her live TV show. So you can do a regression. Yeah, just to see, you know, what happened, if anything. Mm. And if nothing happens, then that's great. But and if something um, happened, Bob, are you prepared? Um. Be careful what yeah, you ask I think, for. You know? I think I think I am. Yeah. Um, I'm well. I'm well, much more prepared now than I would have been three or four years ago. Sure, sure. Put it that way. Uh, I understand a lot more things. Than I did three or four years ago, so um, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, so we'll see uh, if it happens or not. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't know if you want me to tell the story. Uh, about yeah, well, let's take a few minutes and do that, and then yeah. then we've got the big uh, the big announcement for for you sure, two. Sure. Okay. Um, well, it was about I would say ten fifteen years ago now, um, and my wife and I lived in Oakville, down near uh, in, in the Bronte area. And uh, I was still working for the Star at the time, and she was working as a medical technician for uh, a assisted living center. And she had the late shift, and I had just the normal shift. And it was in the summertime, and we crossed paths about midnight. And she was staying up to watch some TV. I went to bed because I had to get up early in the morning. And about three o'clock in the morning, um, she comes and frantically wakes me up out of bed and says, you got to come into the living room and look up in the sky. And so I remember her waking me up, and I remember going out into the living room. Um, and that's where it gets a little foggy to me, because she says she opened the, the blind and pointed up into the sky where she says there was this beam of light that was breaking through the clouds, and, and it was like a, a really strange beam of light, like it was it was a directional beam, and it just went right up into the clouds. And this is pitch black, so it's, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. But at the same time, it feels as if there's a, a tornado all around our house. Uh, and I remember that. Uh, I don't remember looking out the window, but I remember the, the tornado-like feeling. And our garbage cans out front were just rolling all over the place. And the patio furniture out back in the backyard, it was going crazy. So my wife went out the front to get the garbage cans, and I remember stepping outside into the backyard to get the um, the patio furniture. And I clearly remember that. And when I stepped outside, um, it seemed to be bright as daylight. Mm. And that part I remembered. For some reason, I didn't look up. No idea why but I remember grabbing the furniture. I remember feeling as if I'm in this tremendous tornado like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Um, and But I don't feel cold. I don't feel hot. It's just this wind, this, right. this incredible wind. It's not blowing me anywhere, but it's blowing all the, the furniture. And That's so odd. I'm grabbing the furniture, and, uh, and I remember that. And then um, my wife says she came into the backyard and asked me if I needed any help. Um, I don't remember that, but 
I do remember getting all the furniture and then turning around and coming back into the house. And in my mind, I, I went right back to bed. Uh, she says we went to the couch and talked about this experience, this wind, this strange thing. It was like something out of, like, a movie. Almost sounds like you were in a trance, Bob. Well, the thing is, I'm not a... Back then, I wasn't very much of a light sleeper. The slightest thing woke me up. But, right. Uh, for that night, I wasn't. So um, I get up the next morning, and the first thing I think about in my mind was, uh, was that a dream that I had last night? Uh, it was so real, but it just seemed really bizarre. And I remember, uh, you know, I had to go to work, so I, I didn't really talk to my wife till after I got off work. And, but I remember seeing my neighbors outside, and I, I said, that was some storm we had last night. And they said, what storm? Oh, everything was everything was blowing everywhere, and they said I didn't hear any of that. So oh, went to work a, and I got to I got to jump in here. Apologies, we'll we'll pick up on this when we come yeah. back. That is a that is a bizarre story. All right, it's we'll come a back. <laughs> Bob Mitchell, Jason Quit, and the book is Forbidden Knowledge: Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. Right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't touch that dial. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Beaming across North America, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. All right, we are back. Now, uh, Bob Mitchell, before we were so uh, rudely interrupted, I, I won't say rudely, some bills here, but let's let's pick up on this remarkable story. So you um, you and your lovely bride uh, living in Oakville, uh, you see this bright light in the sky. There, there seems to be an accompanying whirlwind, uh, almost like a tornado or a storm. Very windy. You go out. You're wrangling the the lawn furniture, which is being blown around, and the garbage cans and so forth. Uh, the next day, you uh, you talk to a neighbor and you say well, that was some storm last night, and they say, what are you talking about? Uh, okay, so let's pick up this story from there. So, so I'm thinking it, it must have been a dream, because <laughs> I haven't talked to my wife yet. Right. Um, so when she does come home that night, I, I says, uh, I had the strangest dream last night. And she says, that wasn't a dream. He says, you sat here talking about it. And so I, I don't really have any memory of this, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, that was really strange. And... Like, nobody else seemed to know about it. And and for some reason, it, we just sort of didn't talk about it anymore. Um, it, it wasn't something that was on our mind, and I don't even know if we ever even told our, our kids or uh, relatives or, or anything. Uh, it just didn't, it wasn't important to us anymore. Isn't that and, strange? And, and, and then, lo and behold, uh, I guess it was a couple years ago now, when I was starting to write these UFO books. And we were just sitting around one day, and I, I don't know if we've been watching Ancient Aliens on TV or, or I'd just been di- doing an interview for the book, or, but I, the topic came up, and we started talking about that night. And for the very first time, when I said to her that I was outside and she came back to see if I wanted anything, she said to me, that uh, she didn't see uh, a yellow light. She said I was engulfed in a bluish light, a oh, bluish wow. white light. And uh, <laughs> almost everybody that I've ever talked to uh, always describes this bluish white light. 
that uh, they found themselves involved in before they were beamed somewhere. Oh, and, dear. And Travis Walton himself uh, told me that uh, that uh, he was a bluish white light. So that got me thinking. You know, I it's the same thing. I, I my wife says I didn't go anywhere. Um, and like she insisted, I didn't leave the house, and I went right, and I, I was always in the bed for the whole night. Um, so although you, I ha- don't know. although you have no memories of the conversation on the couch after the no, de- the debriefing, no. if you will, so yeah, no memories, and um, so I'm anxious to be taken back to that night to just find out one way or another. Um, so you're going to undergo a regression. So you're on yeah, a yeah, yeah. I absolutely have no uh, memory uh, of anything happening other than what I told you. Well, perhaps Mrs. Mitchell needs to um, consider a regression as well. <laughs> Maybe, but uh, we'll see first if, uh, if it happens for me. It was supposed to happen by now, but uh, I'm having trouble getting a studio uh, to do all this. So, All right. Um, but that's my, my big UFO story, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but it would... Uh, well, something happened. There's no uh, question, something happened. Something happened. Uh, I just don't know what it was. All right, so we we teased off the top about this uh, a big announcement. So Jason Quit, Bob Mitchell, here you are. You've just, within the last several months, released um, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler, and already you're hard at work on some other projects, and that's the big announcement. What's going on? Yeah, it's uh, our biggest project yet, I'm sure, and um, uh, everybody's talking about disclosure. Um, in fact, Stephen Bassett uh, predicted at the Alien Cosmic Expo that o- President Obama would uh, have ex- uh, disclosure before he left office. And I- I'm not betting that'll happen, but uh, even if it does happen, I can probably assure everybody that whatever he says, it's only going to be bare-bones stuff, and uh, it's not going to appease anybody, and you're not going to be much further off than you were before. I'm with you. I, I, it's We're not yeah. going to get the big announcement in the, from the Rose Garden saying, yes, E.T. is here. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So um, we ended up uh, getting in touch with uh, a man who is known for men, to many people, but it's not the same guy, and his name is John Teeter. Um, people right, will right. remember him from 2000 or, or remember a John Teeter from the year 2000 claiming to uh, come here and uh, uh, he was looking for some material that was in a computer and he had to go back to the year 2036 to, to fix it and along the way he made some predictions that never came true. Right, this was a, yeah, a, a huge, caused a huge stir uh, on, and, and uh, certainly on Coast to Coast. Was he, I, he may have been interviewed by Art Bell, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, well that, that John Teeter apparently was, um, but the person we've run into who is, who calls himself John Teeter II uh, assures us that that wasn't him and that that was an imposter, and he has no idea who that person was or why that person even pretended to be him. He was the forerunner. The forerunner. John. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, so our book is called Disclosed, that uh, was an ED, The Chronicles of John Teeter II. And uh, we don't want to say too much about what's in the book yet because we're we're hoping, uh, planning to have it out by September 30th. Um, but let me just say, it, people should prepare to have their mind blown. Um, 
the John Tudor II that we are talking to is uh, was uh, a very high-ranking uh, person in a very secret, top-secret uh, unit, uh, black budget unit, basically, of the United States Air Force that was involved in uh, time travel, um, alien uh, interaction, and uh, was based at Area 51. And so through John's uh, stories about what happened, what he experienced, uh, we're going to let the, the world know uh, what really is going on with disclosure and, and what you'll never find out from the real disclosure, uh, because it's just too, uh, what's the word, Jason, too... Um, too real, too, too real, <laughs> or too surreal. Um, well, yeah. I well, I guess it's too too surreal. I, I, I think people are going to say, "I knew it. I knew that was what what the case was." And other people are just going to be, "Oh my god!" Why don't we um, just call it a real wake up call? Sure. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly a wake up call. So that's why we've called it disclosed uh, because he's going to disclose everything he possibly can. Uh, there are some things he couldn't tell us. Um, and he's still, in some ways, connected with this uh, this very high-ranking group. And, uh, you know, we're basically telling everybody who actually is running the United States and uh, why the, the president uh, may not necessarily be the head guy. Um, some presidents have had more say than other presidents. Um, but it's going to be... Uh, if anything, it's going to be an interesting and informative and entertaining read, put it that way. All right. If, I don't want to give too much away, and I don't know how much you're at liberty to say, but I'm going to plumb a little deeper, and then if you want to say no comment, sure. no sure. comment is what it will be. Um, how did John Teeter II, this time traveler, highly placed in the, uh, formerly in the United States Air Force, let's call it uh, a black ops project, how did he come to your attention? How did he make himself known to you? Uh, that started with Jason. And it actually started before Jason because uh, uh, we were on, well, we've been on many, many uh, late night talk shows. And one of the questions that always comes up is, do you know John Teeter? <laughs> and at the time we didn't. So Jason went to see if he could track him down. And you did, right, Jay? Yeah, yeah, I tracked him down, and um, I got his phone number, and we started to talk on the phone. And um, we actually shared some pretty similar stories from different timelines. Right. Um, so I said, you have to talk to Bob. So I got Bob in touch with him, and the rest is history. We've been, I think we've been spending a good five hours a week talking to him for the past couple of months. I think maybe it's about six hours a week. <laughs> yeah, so we've been we've been in touch with him for quite a while, and um, uh, the things that he's revealed to us is um, it's quite amazing, actually. Well, why why now? Why why does he feel he's able to speak? Why does he want to disclose now and to you? Um. I don't know if we could answer that question. Right I don't think now. we can answer that directly. Uh, that may be in the last chapter of the book. We, we haven't got right. to the last chapter yet, but I, I can. I think I can tell you that 
um, the the time traveling that he's done um, has taken a toll on him, and um, uh, he he wants to get these things uh, out in the open uh, before he dies, basically. And, okay, I'm going to ask another uh, question that you may or may not choose to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you've teased us, uh, I, I mean, I must, I must yank on these threads. Otherwise, sure. my audience would have me uh, sure. hanging by my feet somewhere. But um, is this at all related to Project Pegasus? Um, Andrew Bishago has been on this program. He's a noted, uh, refers to himself as a time-traveling whistleblower. Yep. Is it related to Project Pegasus? Uh, no, no, I would say no. No, um, not. In fact, in fact, John has given us some interesting information um, about, um, you know, Mars and, and other planets that, that the, the U.S. You know, secret space program is supposed to have gone to. And people are going to be a little surprised about John's take on the whole thing. Um, but as John says to us over and over again, um, he knows only a slice of the pie. Uh, it, where it, in the kind of position he was in, everything is compartmentalized. Right. So it's always on a need-to-know basis. And they told him what he needed to know to to complete his missions, but they didn't tell him anything else. So um, he doesn't have any uh, actual experience with Project Pegasus or... Uh, that type of stuff, but uh, um, but what he has seen, there is a chapter about Mars in it. Um, it it's a little different than what Andrew Bashego has said. So. Right now, and and I guess one final question on this note, sure. and that is the time travel that we're talking about involving John Teeter the second mm-hmm. uh, is is this um, an astral? Type travel, time travel, or are we talking about an actual uh, device that can transcend time and space? Um, a device. A device. Yeah, his his is not like Jason. So while while Jason has experienced time traveling in that division, uh, the, in the dimensions that he has, um, none of John's experiences happened in uh, an altered state. It's it's a physical. Thing that happens, and you believe him because I believe him because um, well, you know it's a tough question because it, it's like do you believe in extraterrestrials? Well, I haven't seen an extraterrestrial, but I still believe in them. Um, well, obviously, he said things to you that that he, he said things to us that that makes sense. Put it that way. All right. Listen. Uh, and and there's nothing he hasn't said to us that that I, I will say is well. That's completely out of the you know. That's completely bullshit. Sorry about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. It's late. I mean, we can say that. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing along that line. All right. Well, we we look forward to uh, we look forward to disclosed. Yeah. Uh, September 30th. September 30th. All right. We will have you back on the program, both of you. Jason Quitt, Bob Mitchell, thank you so much for spending two hours. We'll have John Teeter on the program, too. Now that, that, my friend, is a date. (laughs) Can't wait. Cannot wait. 
All right. Yes. We are done for the night. My thanks uh, to uh, young Will. Will, what is your last name? Are you serious? Will Power. That's a great name. Ian, Ian Robertson, uh, Albert Vinzel, all of you to listening at home back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.